All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. Today on the show, we are talking about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, easily one of my most anticipated movies of the year, and it delivered. I had such a great time with this movie. Tom Cruise, love him or hate him, puts on a show when he makes one of these movies. And yeah, it's a great experience in the theater, and I had a great time talking about it with Amanda Guaraji from Candidex Cinema. And uh, yeah, we have a great conversation, lots of great puzzle pieces to get into. That's coming up here in a second. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, though, that we are on all the social medias, Piecing Pod on Twitter, Instagram. We also have the Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. We are also on Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content for Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and my music career. I currently have episodes on The Flash and Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny on there, waiting for a spot to get released, but uh, lots of other content too, so check it out. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. And uh, other than that, just make sure you're subscribed wherever it is that you're listening right now, because we got a lot of podcasts on the way. But for today, it's time to get into Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. All right, it's time for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, and Amanda Garaji is here with me to talk about it. Amanda, how you doing? I'm doing great. I, I love this franchise, and uh, I love Dead Reckoning so much, so I'm really excited to dive into this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a fun one to talk about, and it... It feels like it's been a long time uh, since Fallout, and I mean, obviously, we're getting Dead Reckoning Part 2 next year, so we're not going to have to wait as long, but uh, the movie business has gone through a lot of changes since the last one, so I think that yeah. might even be a part of this conversation, uh, you know, mm -hmm. even more so than like some of the plot points of the movie, or some of those maybe are inspired by what's going on with the world of the movies right now. I don't know. We'll get into that as we get to it, but it is your first time on this podcast, so why don't you tell my listeners a little about you and your channel? Yeah, um, I started my website, which is CandidXCinema.com, about three, four years ago. I went to film school and I fell in love with writing about film and I wanted to become a critic. So I'm also a film critic and entertainment journalist. Uh, I try to cover all the bases. I really do. I just I loved movies since I was a kid. And then uh, I just wanted to do it for a living, uh, do something in the industry for a living. So I did that. And then during the pandemic, people that I met online, amazing people such as yourself that I've met online that, you know, really pushed me to do YouTube and uh, start doing reviews there. So my channel kind of flourished during that time. And uh, sure. yeah, it was it was interesting. It's been an interesting process. But as you said, everything's been changing drastically. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to, uh, you know, adapt uh, to everything on the fly constantly within a 20, you know, 24 hour turnover as we've yeah. seen. So yeah, it just, just started with a little dream and now I'm here. So it's been good. Right on. That's what it yeah. takes. It takes a dream and uh, yeah. a lot of free time. Uh, yes. but, <laughs> yeah, those are the things, uh, but, uh, yeah, with that changing industry, thankfully we've got Tom Cruise out there, uh, trying to, trying to save it, trying to make something that will bring butts back to seats and trying to, uh, you know, capture that, the essence of movie going and just mm -hmm. that excitement, the thing that really like made us all fall in love with it in the first place. And, you know, I, 
I'm just going to get this out of the way right now. I, I did love Dead Reckoning, but it's not my favorite of the franchise. Um, I, I, I still have other favorites, and maybe we'll talk about what some of our favorites are along the way. But um, it's still it's just such a fun time. And it's exactly what we go to the movies for. And, you know, I'm just so happy that he's still out there doing these things. You know, I don't know how long he's going to throw himself off of cliffs and whatnot but um hopefully he will you know we talk about inspirations on this podcast hopefully he will be inspiring some people to do some exciting stuff like this because yeah, yeah i mean let's be real you know we're, we're talking in the middle of these strikes and budgets are kind of out of control and most likely going to start shrinking and there's just not going to be the money to do these kinds of things and so yeah i don't, I don't know what the future holds for big you know, popcorn excitement like this. So somebody's got to kind of carry that torch. And I, I don't know, maybe it'll be some of the people we're seeing in these movies, people, you know, like Haley Atwell or Palm Clementine, people, people like that, that are out there doing like, you know, these big action movies, of course, Marvel movies and whatnot, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but they're kind of having their own trouble at the moment, but you know, uh, you know, so who knows what it's going to be, but you know, that that brings us to Dead Reckoning, at least uh, giving us some of that excitement right now. Let, let's get into puzzle pieces and we'll get into, you know, what we liked, maybe didn't like along the way with this one. But what do you have for your first puzzle piece here for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1? So for me, what the opening was really interesting. And I think that what comes with the AI conversation is what really just struck me um, at the beginning of this, because that's the main thing that we've all been worried about with technology advancing. So I think that they did, it's more visually that they did that extremely well because there wasn't that much dialogue, I would say. And then that is something that really impressed me that they were able to show the threat in a very unique way in that opening. And I think that it's just a massive thing that's affecting all of us, but it was really subtle at the same time, even though people are saying that it's on the nose. I, I really do think that that really drew um, the first thing. I know this is like this movie is not the greatest, but um, I do feel like Eagle Eye was probably one of the first things where it really affected me. But maybe because I was younger and I didn't know and we were like trying to, you know, figure technology out because I feel like my generation was more of like the the guinea pigs. Um with technology, because I feel like everything before that, like the 60s and 70s, they were constantly evolving and changing where we just mm -hmm. had like this massive change with tech. And then there was like nothing like it was just it was fine. Like there's no advancement. So anything to do with like AI or that tech like taking over Eagle Eye was yeah. definitely one of them where I was like, OK, but I think that in its subtlety and then really just exploring that, I think that's the first thing that came to mind when I was watching that opening for me nice nice yeah, yeah that, that's a that's a good uh comparison there and that's funny i, I haven't seen eagle eye since the theater that was the only movie i ever saw at the uh the arc light in la that famous oh, wow. theater uh but um yeah it, it's a really difficult thing to show ai as like you know a, a personified like thing that you know has its own identity and whatnot and because it does like kind of get you back to like the cheesy internet like things of the 90s like the net and you know <laughs> all that kind of stuff and so uh it, it's definitely a difficult thing to showcase i will jump right on top for my first puzzle piece since we're getting into the ai of all this and go terminator for my uh first mm -hmm. puzzle piece here because yeah i mean 
it's really difficult to talk about AI becoming sentient and, you know, there's really no stopping it once that happens without talking about James Cameron's Terminator series. And, you know, that kind of set the blueprint. And, you know, again, where we've got this uh, writer strike right now, and it seems like, you know, AI is like a major, uh, uh, you know, sticking point of what's going on right now. And you really kind of can't trust where it's going to go once there is no, you know, humanity involved. And it's just like learning what the best, you know, possible outcome is for itself. There's, there's no kind of stopping that and where it's going to head from there. And, uh, they're definitely tapping into that with dead reckoning. And, you know, of course now, uh, with this, we have a key that can stop it. And of course everybody's out to get the key. And so, you know, that, that kind of like becomes the main plot drive here, but, um, you know, AI as a villain, um, more powerful than the actual human villain. That's kind of the main thing. Yeah. And it's like, like you said, it's really hard to do that. And I think that, um, even with, for me, what really got me was the comms with, uh, with Benji and Ethan and Luther, like that they're so, they work together so extremely well. And then when the comms like didn't work because of the AI, that really just, Mm -hmm that sent me like out. Uh, so that was really good. Just wanted to add that little tidbit too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that when, uh, it just started impersonating Benji's voice and just telling him yeah. what, you know, the wrong directions and all that stuff like that. That's a perfect way for, uh, all of this to go wrong for this team, because when it comes down to it, like that's, that's what makes the mission impossible team. They're all like kind of in each other's ear and they're telling each other, you know, how to get out of these situations, these insane mission impossible situations that they get themselves into. Mm-hmm. And, uh, once that goes down, they're kind of screwed. No, you know, all Tom Cruise could do is just run and <laughs> run and drive. So, yeah. uh, yeah, definitely, uh, screws things up for them. But, uh, what do you got for another puzzle piece? Yeah, I, I think in regards to the action and I don't, I don't want to say this, but i maybe because fast and fear, like fast X came out literally like, I don't know, I think it was like a month, no, two months before it came out two months mm-hmm. before the, and I, and the fact that both car chases were in Rome, yeah. Obviously they wouldn't have known that, but it just it was something that like like the car chase that happened, it, it felt like two in one because they had to transition into the middle with the the yellow Fiat, which is really cute. And the tech wasn't working in that either. So that was a nice touch right. with the AI. Um, but I felt like that specific car chase reminded me of like a fast and furious uh car chase, which was a lot of fun. Not saying that the previous car chases in other MI films weren't like spot on and unique for itself, but just the fact that it was that long in the craziness of it, I thought that like that's the first thing again uh that came to mind uh for me right after. So I think th- there is a reference here to like fast and yeah. furious with the car chase. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. On my list as well. Um, it, it's funny because like the big joke has always been like, how did the Fast and Furious movies go from the small story about, you know, the street racers into basically a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. And now it's kind of coming back around and inspiring Mission Impossible. But yeah, I, I think there's even more like Ethan Hunt is basically like Dom with his obsession with his family, like being more important than whatever the mission is. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the sociopathic villain and like, there's so many in god's eye god's eye is basically you know what this ai the entity is you know like it can do any and everything with all of tech everywhere and 
no matter I, I think back to Fast X when um Charlize Theron unlocks the the cell with a little keypad on the side of her 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 yes. uh, hospital bed like what like, <laughs> like that's <laughs> nonsense but so funny uh you know yeah. but yeah i mean there's so many parallels i think you can draw to fast x the the whole fast the whole like last five i guess it is uh fast yeah. and furious movies where things have kind of gone off the deep ends which is what i love about them but you know definitely i think things have come back around so yeah i, I i'm glad you brought it up but i definitely was thinking about it as well um, so yeah, great, great piece there. Yeah. I will go with, so I wanted to rewatch, uh, all of the mission impossible films in time for this, but I've been doing a little traveling. I just did not have time. So I don't recall if magic tricks were a part of Ethan Hunt's character in previous movies, but, oh. uh, he does a lot of them here and so does <laughs> Haley Outwell. And so I was thinking of the now you see me series where it's yes. all magic trick based, uh, action and yeah. I know we've got a new one on the way. I believe uh, there, there's there's been two of them. And I think there's a third one uh, that's oh, on the way. That's awesome. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. But yeah, just you know, magic tricks and uh, how they can kind of uh, use sleight of hand to kind of ramp up these kinds of scenes and uh, mm -hmm. they're really funny. I mean, they, you know, the the action works really well. So uh, it's 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 a great uh, great little addition to Ethan Hunt's character. I think little magic. It was so funny. There was an interview where like it was with McCory, and I think it was for the Light the Fuse podcast. And mm -hmm. apparently, that took like I think ten to twelve takes because McCory could still see the key every single time he was like trying to like do it like show the person so he, if you see and like there's a specific gif on twitter and it's hilarious that it's just it's such like a hard thing where he's showing the key because that's like after the 12th take of actually like doing it so he got really aggravated tom cruise so i thought that it was really funny that they, uh, they incorporated that yeah he, he can jump off a cliff but he can't do a magic trick Basically. yeah <laughs> like come on tom come on he's gonna probably learn now after this he's like i have yeah. to be the greatest at everything so of course that's Tom <laughs> for you so what do you have yeah. for another puzzle piece um i think the whole uh the cat and mouse uh airport scene again like these are really long scenes that i'm like you know what i'm engaged i'm invested it kind of it kind of reminded me of like Ocean's Eleven for some reason, just because of mm -hmm. how awesome the chemistry was between Haley and Tom, like so, um, so instant. And I really like that. It kind of just reminded me of how they all work together. The entire ensemble worked together extremely well. So that entire, like just the pacing of it reminded me of like either like the vault scene for like Oceans and or them you know, even having like small meetings and, and um, just working together that way. I think it was just more of like the pacing and the chemistry that I'm like, this unit is incredible. And it just, it brought back like oceans for me just because of how like swift and sleek and, you know, how they just moved through each of those scenes, even though there's like a high level intensity, there's, it's still perfectly calculated. Um, and I just, I, it brought me back to that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great one. I hadn't thought of that, but uh, I think the chemistry between this cast really, really works so well. And that's probably the main thing. Like, you know, uh, Haley Atwell, like, I honestly, 
I, I knew she was in some Marvel movies, but I don't even really know her that well, you know? Mm -hmm. And then like, uh, Essay Morales, who plays Gabriel, the, the main villain and, uh, you know, Shea Wiggum's, you know, he's awesome, but he's, you know, just like kind of a character actor who pops up and things, uh, you know, but they're all working together so well in that sequence. And, uh, you really get that feeling of like, you know, these are major movie stars that are all like really pulling yeah. all this off. And so, yeah, it's, it's a great sequence and, uh, really, I, I could see that comparison to Ocean's Eleven because you've got like some of just the most charismatic people in the world pulling off those sequences there. So, uh, mm. yeah, it's a great one. Uh, I'm glad you brought that one up. Mm. Um, I will go with, uh, so, you know, going back to the AI and some of what it is capable of, of course, when you're talking action movies and AI, you know, it's usually basically capable of anything. But uh, one of the things that it does is turns our main human villain invisible on all cameras. And it reminded me a little bit of Lee Wanell's The Invisible Man remake uh, with Elizabeth Moss Ooh. from 2020 and mixing mixing technology with just the old school concept of a person being invisible and what is possible once that happens, uh, you know. Basically, anything could happen at that point. And uh, I, I using the technological aspect of that really was very clever. Like that, yeah, the guy's walking around in plain sight. But since everybody is so reliant on technology that, you know, that's really the only way they're looking, whether it's through uh, cameras or whether it's through um, Ethan's glasses that he's able to, like, kind of scan everybody with, you know once you are relying on technology, it's kind of using that against them and uh, able to, you know, totally screw with them in that way. And I, I thought that was a really fun aspect of it. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually, Invisible Man. That movie's so underappreciated. Yeah. So I'm happy you brought that up. That's that's a really nice touch, that one. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, what do you got next? For me, I know that it's like, I, I compare Mission Impossible and, and the Bond films quite a bit because I'm just mm -hmm. more of an MI fan. I've always been an MI fan. I'm not saying that the Bond films are terrible. Um, but for me, I think that what really got me was Venice and mm -hmm. Ilsa and Ethan together, like their relationship. So it gave me kind of like a Casino Royale vibe uh, sure. between Eva Green's character, Vesper, and uh, and Daniel Craig in, uh, in Casino Royale. Just the connection they had both understanding their roles as like individuals as spies as well but trying to kind of navigate their feelings for each other obviously they're in different like um portions of a, like a relationship like it's an it's not technically a relationship between like vesper and uh and bond but there's something building there and then we've seen that how elsa and ethan have struggled from like technically rogue nation and fallout as well which i didn't yeah what happens with them is just it's really touching um yeah. and i just really enjoyed seeing them together and just them understanding who they are and their place in the world um and then the place with each other and i think that exploring that uh just gave me their kind of uh relationship because they both understood the roles that yeah. they had in place so i think that that really brought it up to me and it reminded me of them Right on. Yeah, I'm I'm also not as big of a Bond person. Like I, mm -hmm. I definitely have always liked the Mission Impossible films more. Um Casino Royale, you know. Yeah, I, I I haven't seen it since the theater, so I didn't put the the Venice connection together there. Do you think uh, at all there's maybe a reference there to the fact that they both say that they've never been to Venice before and like kind of like calling out mm -hmm. the Venice connection? 
Maybe, maybe. Because the second I heard yeah. that, I was just like, oh, <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was a little feeling, you know? So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think possibly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great yeah. moment. It's a great moment for those characters and of course, you know, for what happens next. Yeah. So uh yeah, yeah, great piece there. Um I'm going to go for my next piece with Uncharted. I'd prefer to go with the video <laughs> game because the video games are awesome uh and not the crappy Tom Holland movie, but uh they both feature the main characters climbing up a train that is vertically falling off of a cliff. <laughs> So uh, it sure seems like either the game or the movie, Tom Cruise saw that and said, hey, I want to do that. So Yeah, that I... <laughs> Are you a fan of the, uh, the movie or the game? Um, I've played, I've played Uncharted a bit and then, uh, the movie really impressed me. Surprise. I, I know a lot of people didn't really like it, okay. but I, I, I really enjoyed it for what it was. But like you said, that last train sequence was just, you know, it kind of... This is also like another piece that I can add on because for me, that level of intensity really reminded me of the actual mission in Top Gun Maverick uh, with the, mm. the the team at the end. And obviously Maverick ended up doing that. But for me, like my back was literally sweating um, <laughs> while watching the train sequence at the end of um, Dead Reckoning. And then uh, with the the actual run in uh, in Top Gun Maverick, so for me that was like instant, more of like a feeling than any like visual cue or anything like that for the audiences to like just be sitting there frozen watching this train sequence happen in Dead Reckoning. Like that's the first thing um, that came to mind uh, for me that I haven't felt that way watching yeah. something on the big screen since Top Gun Maverick. So that one I do have to mention for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was also thinking about Top Gun Maverick. Uh, for me, I, I was thinking about it for a different reason. And it's actually my my last puzzle piece. Um, yeah. But I was thinking about it because, you know, Maverick, I think is pretty clearly a metaphor for, uh, you know, the only person who can step in and save the day when these young whippersnappers can't do it is Tom Cruise. You know, not Maverick, but Tom Cruise himself, you know, the movie star. Uh, can he's the only one who could save yeah. the movie business, you know? And uh, I mm -hmm. feel like here, you know, we're talking about the dangers of letting AI take over and leading into the strike that's happening right now. I, I think that we yeah. are very clearly, maybe a little on the nose, but very seriously talking about the dangers of, of allowing AI to uh, fall into the wrong hands, which the wrong hands for AI is non-creatives as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, you know, once it goes into the world of, uh, you know, studios and, and uh, business and all that, then that's really what's going to take away from all of the creatives of the world. Mm -hmm. And I, I think very much so Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise are kind of trying to tell us that here. Oh, for sure. That's like 100%. I think because even, the, I think this was supposed to come out two years ago. I don't remember if it had, it, it changed release dates or something like that. Mm. So they, again, like, I feel like they were ahead of the curve too. You know, like they, yeah. if this came out two, three years ago, I think people wouldn't have said that it's like too on the nose. I think people would have been impressed with the fact that they took a gigantic leap and a risk with this one specifically. Yeah. So I think it's again, it's all timing. And now, especially with the, with the strike as, as we've, we've talked about, it's just, you know, it's all snowballing to a, a bigger conversation here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Maverick's my last puzzle piece. Do you have any others that you wanted to bring up? Um, I think that's all of them that I, I kind of, uh, I felt while I was watching it. Um, 
maybe mm-hmm. a splash of like of the winter soldier just because of like the um, the banter between Benji and uh Benji Luther and uh, and Ethan maybe not more so civil war I lied more so civil war like mm-hmm. I it kind of reminded me of the trio of like my cap trio with uh with Mackie Sebastian Stan and and Chris Evans that they're trying to understand each other as a unit and you know friendship is really important there so I think that for me that's probably the last one where you don't realize how close Ethan Benji and Ethan are I think and after binge watching, yeah. like I marathon them and I'm just like, you know what? They've been through hell and back together. And Benji keeps saying like, we're friends. Okay. I'm going to come with you. I'm going to help you. And he's like getting emotional. So I think that at this point, because Tom Cruise is just so good at having people share the spotlight too. Like he knows that mm-hmm. it's his, it, it isn't, he doesn't make it seem like, no, this is my franchise. Like I need to have the most screen time. He doesn't give that off. And it's always been more of a team effort. I think that's why I really love MI, but Benji and Luther are a huge part of what makes Ethan, you know, grow as a character and develop and actually push him to his limits. So I think that that was just a nice Testament. And I got that from like civil war just a little tidbit there <laughs> sure absolutely you know w- while you were uh bringing that up and, and talking about benji and how important his friends are um it, that actually made me think about that that weird puzzle box that he has to uh solve and uh that kind of reminded me of um you know either you you could go with like a saw trap or you could go with maybe even glass yeah. onion with the whole weird puzzle box that they have to solve at the beginning of that movie. But, uh, you know, a, any kind of movie with like a weird puzzle box, it's not just simply a combination. Um, you know, you kind of you kind of get something that like that. But yeah, that was that was a, a yeah. fun sequence, too. Uh, anytime there's puzzles in movies, I like that, obviously, with my yeah. podcast. But um, <laughs> I will read down our finished list of puzzle pieces here and then we'll get into some closing thoughts. We talked talked about Eagle Eye, Terminator, Fast X, Now You See Me, Ocean's Eleven, The Invisible Man, Casino Royale, Uncharted, Top Gun Maverick, and Captain America Civil War. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. just a whole bunch of things from all different like angles of action movies all kind of converging here. And again, that's what makes Mission Impossible so awesome. It just, it really brings in all of the possibilities of an awesome action movie. But uh, are there any things that we didn't quite get to uh, while talking puzzle pieces that you wanted to bring up here in a uh, closing thought? I think it's probably a new comparison uh, for me because if we're watching the film, you know, Haley Atwell has a mat, like she's a massive character coming in here. She's a massive new character. Um, and I feel like they could have gone. I don't want to say a passing of the torch type of situation. It didn't feel like that. And mm-hmm. it's just, it was, that's what I was more concerned about bringing in someone like Haley Atwell, who's known for, you know, Agent Carter and, and doing such an amazing job um, on that show that it could have been Ethan doing that. Uh, but it wasn't like that. And this is saying, it kind of reminded me of what they did in Indiana Jones as well. Uh, the Dial of De- Destiny, which is most recent um, with uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, where they also didn't, technically do that they let the hero that we've known and and loved for like x amount of years here to really shine so um i think that there are passing of the torch moments as we've seen in like the marvel television series that that's what they kind of do and even on on screen 
Um, but this one didn't do what I thought they were going to do. So I was just really happy that they just let her breathe as her own character and get to know her as her own character. Yeah, absolutely. This is a series that's uh, the team is just as important as its leader. And so, you know, if she's going to be a part of the team, which, you know, I'm sure that's where we're headed in the second part. And who knows if we'll get more after that. Uh, but definitely, I think she's set up more as a new part of the team. We're not like full on passing the torch, but she is going to be an integral part going forward. And they're all integral parts. Uh, and that's part of what makes uh, this series so special. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, only other thing I would shout out is the Lauren Balfe score, uh, who I just love and is one of my favorite composers uh, working right now. So I, I still like Fallout score better. Fallout score is like my favorite of the series and one of my favorite scores of like the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. But um, awesome okay. music here, too, though. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that does it for Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Oh, it, that was literally the last movie that I watched. So yeah. uh, I would just go watch it. Watch if, watch the entire franchise from the beginning again, because you know what? Honestly, taking the time to marathon them from the first one really just gives you another appreciation, not only for the evolution of the action set pieces, but for the characters that have stuck around. Um, because I think that's even more effective for Dead Reckoning Part 1. But I could go watch this five million times. Honestly, yeah. it's just so good on the big screen. I love what, it. <laughs> what is your favorite uh, Mission Impossible movie before we wrap up? I play around with Fallout and mm. um, the first Mission Impossible because I'm someone who's more of like, this was the blueprint um, yeah. and they have to always go back to the roots of it for some reason. Um, I love what Brian De Palma did in that. And I think Christopher McQuarrie uh, took that and then made it his own and perfected it the structure yeah. of the film as well. So I think that that's why personally no one else can film any other mission impossible film. Like McQuarrie has to stay for like, if they make another 10, um, cause he's just so good. But, uh, it flips between fallout mission impossible. I love rogue nation as well, but it's, you know, it's like one, a one B one yeah. C like that. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, I think ghost protocol is actually my favorite, but the thing about those two nice. picks that you brought up is I, I think it's, it's funny how they're, they're kind of so different from one another, but I feel like Dead Reckoning is Christopher McQuarrie trying to thread the line between that that first Mission Impossible movie and mm -hmm. Fallout and try to combine the two vibes together and uh, really tie everything together in that yeah. way. And that is a, an exciting thing. And, it, and I think one other kind of closing thought uh, that I kind of should have mentioned earlier, but I'll just bring it up now real quick, is... This being part one of a two-parter is, you know, a first for this series and uh, definitely kind of weighs on the whole thing. Like, it's hard to look at a two-parter and not, you know, wait to judge the whole thing as a whole. And so it's going to be really interesting to see next year how this particular story wraps up and how that, you know, makes both movies as a whole work rather than just just a half, you know, and it, it has a satisfying conclusion. But I want to see the whole thing before mm -hmm. I really fully judge, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I felt like it, it happened with Across the Spider-Verse as well. Uh, mm -hmm. While you're watching, I think the last 20 minutes, you're like, okay, where are they going to end it? And you keep thinking where they're going to end it. And for me, it's like, it's hard to enjoy the, that final, like, I guess like 20, like half hour like that. Cause you don't know when they're going to end it. Yeah. Um, uh, but this one, I was, I didn't feel that way at all. 
I was like, yeah. I'm along for the ride. Like you said, they perfectly wrapped it up. Um, and I feel like more because I know people like ending it on cliffhangers, but I feel like more of like part one, part twos, especially if they're not finished filming. Yeah. Should really just have, um, you know, just a nice little conclusion, wrap it in a bow that's satisfying enough to push them to watch part two. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. That does it for this one. Uh, Amanda, where can people find you and your channel? Yeah, well, this was a lot of fun. Um, I, you guys can always follow me over at AMX NDA Reviews on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd and Threads now because Threads is a thing, apparently. Mm. Uh, but you can check out my YouTube channel, Candid Cinema. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing the show and hopefully we can get you back again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Hi, this is Wax Tracks Records here on 2909 South Decatur. We buy all your old 45s, your old albums, any type of music memorabilia. Also, we sell music memorabilia, albums, CDs, and a lot. Come on down to Wax Tracks, 2909 South Decatur, or give me a call at 702-362-4300. Thank you very much. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I can't wait to talk about Part 2 next year. But thank you for listening, and thank you to Amanda for joining me on that one. And if you're enjoying what we do here on Piecing It Together, I would appreciate it if you dropped a five-star rating and review, either on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or Spotify, wherever it is you're listening. And, of course, make sure you're subscribed while you're there. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod, join our Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And don't forget about our Patreon, the produced by David Rosen Patreon, with lots of great bonus content and advanced content from Piecing It Together, awesome movie year, and from my music career. With that said, let's close this thing out with a piece of my music like we always do. And uh, you know what I'm going to go with today? This is, this is a slower track. It doesn't really match the uh the action-packed vibe of a mission impossible but in the music video for this song the song is called butterfly it's from my album head like fire in the music video this humanoid female creature uh jumps off of a cliff and so it just made me think of our uh our, our buddy tom cruise jumping off of cliffs for our entertainment so let's play butterfly and check out the music video on my youtube channel uh, youtube.com slash music by David Rosen. There's a link in the show notes, of course, as well. And uh, it's a really cool music video. So check that out. Check out the rest of the album, Head Like Fire, wherever you listen to music. And we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.